Episode 8, called Lord of the Tides, is apparently the longest of the season. It's centered around a sudden succession crisis within House Valarian, with details nearly identical to the succession crisis looming over the Iron Throne nearly all season long. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's been six years since the last episode and fighting has resumed in the Stepstones as the Triarchy's strength ascends again. The sea snake has taken a terrible wound in the neck and is afflicted with blood fever as well. The prognosis is uncertain, but it doesn't look good. Surveyment, brother of Corley's and master of complaints, confronts Rhaenys on the matter, saying he would like her support in making a claim for himself on the grounds that Lucerys is not a Valarian. But even if she's not willing to help, well, he doesn't need her because it's going to come down to what the crown decides. And crucially, the man who has been on death's door much longer than the sea snake, King Viserys himself, is so unwell these days that the governance of the realm is in the hands of Queen Allison and her father Otto, the Hand of the King, who sits the throne in his absence. They're making all the decisions. But Allison is also dealing with a household issue. Her son Aegon seems to have forced himself on his own children's maid. Yes, he and his sister have children now too. And if he keeps up like this, he'll have even more, and not from his sister wife, Helena. Women and drinking seem to be his chief once, and he does not want to be king. Meanwhile, on Dragonstone, Jaceres is learning to speak High Valerian and appears determined to fulfill the future demands of kingship. Damon has relaxed a bit in the ensuing years, enjoying his life as a father and dragon egg farmer. He has two young sons with Rhaenyra now, Aegon, yes, another one, and Viserys, yes, another one. Rhaenyra is pregnant again as well, but just when he thinks he's out, they pull him back in. Damon's daughter, Bela, sends word about what's happening with regard to the succession of Driftmark. If Sir Vaymon wins his claim on the basis that Luke is not a Valarian, then the same logic will apply to Jace's claim to the Iron Throne. And with Viserys too sick to rule, again, the decision will fall to the family who would in turn gain the Iron Throne based on that decision. So everyone converges on King's Landing. Damon and Rhaenyra and their children, Rhaenys and Bela and Sir Vaymon. Everyone else is already there. Their fears are realized when only Lord Caswell comes to greet Rhaenyra's household, despite their royal rank, while soon after Sir Vaymond is escorted by an honor guard of Hightower men, very conspicuously. Sir Vaymond offers his experience and gratitude, wink wink, to Otto and Alicent. With him as the Lord of Tides, they'd have half the realm's fleet on their side. All they need to do is decide in his favor when he makes his claim at court the next day. It would be a massive boon to the Green faction that also enables them to undermine Rhaenyra's children. How could they say no? Everything and everyone seems to be on the side of the Greens, and now this would be as well. Jace and Luke are given a chilly reception by the people around court, 
And when they encounter Amond practicing with Kristen Cole, they see he's become quite skilled. Allison's also changed the decor, taken control of the household, except for Talia, a servant we've been seeing at the Red Keep for years now. We wondered why they gave her a name. She apparently sells information to Lady Mazaria, so there was a good reason, and we're left to wonder how long that has been going on. And we wonder if she's working with Otto again, and or anyone else. Rainier and Damon, as the king's family, are able to visit him personally, despite how sick he is. They show him his... Well, they're his daughter's children, so they're his grandkids, but they're also his brother's children, so they're his nephews. Anyway, Damon realizes they're giving Viserys milk of the poppy and suspects they're giving him even more than he needs in order to maintain control over the decision-making powers of the realm. We're treated to a lovely jaunt through what we can assume is the king's daily routine where an entire team of maesters treat his terrifying symptoms. Remember when he said Emma's death was a wound that would never heal? Well... But he deviates from the pattern and says no drugs today. He wants his wits about him while his entire family is gathered and wants to have a group dinner as well. Rhaenyra meets with Rhaenys at the Heart Tree, swearing she didn't order Laenor's death and wasn't complicit in it. Both technically true, unlike the last time she swore in front of the Heart Tree. Rhaenyra makes a big play as well, offering to marry Jace and Luke to Bela and Reyna. This would make Rhaenys' grandchildren queen and Lady of Driftmark, respectively. It's hard to imagine more than that, but she declines to answer, for now. The matter of the Lord of the Tides is raised in the throne room, as expected, and Sir Vaiman makes his case. Rhaenyra begins to make her case, but unexpectedly, the doors open and her father enters before she's barely gotten going. Half his face is covered by a mask, and his movements are so unsteady as to make his cane seem almost inadequate. Damon tenderly helps him up the steps, but he's not so tender a few moments later. King Viserys diplomatically expresses his confusion at why the matter of Driftmark's succession is even an issue in the first place, and asks Rhaenys to clarify. Though not born a Valarian, she can tell which way the wind is blowing and backs Lucerys, while accepting Rhaenyra's earlier double marriage offer at the same time. Smooth. The king, of course, is delighted by this prospect of marriage. Nothing pleases him more than his family coming together, as we've seen, but Sir Vaiman sees it as his family coming apart and loses his temper and his head, literally. We were reminded last episode that Valyrian steel is quite sharp, and here we are again with even more evidence, care of Prince Damon. With this bloody reminder of how many succession crises are often settled, with swords rather than diplomacy, Otto and Allison's plans are quietly abandoned. But it's also a reminder of what Otto has been saying all along, that Rhaenyra will have no choice but to execute Allison's children to secure the claim of Jace. Through Vaiman, Damon reminded everyone more directly of what they are believed to have done six years ago to Laenor. Hmm. Despite this, dinner goes quite well. Surprisingly well. Until the end. But before that, Viserys makes a plea that goes far beyond the many he's made to date. The music is wistful yet triumphant, suggesting for a moment that this perfect evening could have been an entire life if only a few things were different. Viserys removes his mask so they can see him for what he is. It's a face that is... gnarly. But as disturbing as it is, it serves to frame how deeply he desires peace within his family. The man's in a lot of pain. He was unable to show his care through proactive choices in the past. But here, he's demonstrating how much he's willing to suffer to achieve just a tiny portion of that goal of peace. 
There's a brilliant mirroring shot as well. The similarity of each side of the table portrayed right down to the twin king's guard behind them, Eric and Arik, but with their distinctive black and green separating them. More toasts are made. Rhaenyra and Alicent seem to make genuine progress toward Accord, and even Otto seems to be wearing a real smile and having a good time at the party. The joy is so powerful that it seems to genuinely move everyone. Eh, almost everyone. Jace declared eventual heir to the throne, and Aegon declared eventual heir to the throne, take shots at each other's masculinity and barely control themselves. When Viserys leaves, exhausted and melancholy, the restraint falls away. Luke giggles at the roast pig placed in front of Aemon, surely thinking of the pink dread prank. Aemon, surely not happy to be laughed at by the person who cut out his eye, responds with a toast of his own and repeats the same insult he made that same bloody night six years before. Jace has had enough and goes to punch Aemon, it lands, but Aemond is barely phased. He laughs as if to suggest his nephew is weak. Meanwhile, Aegon slams nephew Luke into the table, but Damon's presence stops the violence from going any further. This family, it seems, cannot get together without fighting. It's quite clear. Still, Alicent and Rhaenyra appear willing to continue rebuilding their lost friendship. The princess says she'll take her family back to Dragonstone and then return on Cyrax. But tragedy appears to strike. Earlier in the episode, Rhaenyra came to her father at night to ask him again about Aegon the First's Song of Ice and Fire. Viserys seems to remember this conversation later as he's going to sleep and thinks Alicent is Rhaenyra. He tells her that Aegon's dream is true, that he does believe it, but she thinks he's talking about their son Aegon and hears that he must be king. Basically, she believes... Her husband has just rescinded his wish that Rhaenyra ascend the Iron Throne in favor of their son. Oops. As King Viserys slips into darkness, perhaps for the last time, we're struck by how tragic this ending is for him. His last gasp was a seemingly successful, if fragile, bridge built between the two branches of his family that have been constantly on the brink of violence. But in his adult state, he's unwittingly just told the heads of both of those branches of the family, that their side must win at all costs, that the future depends on it. Just as they have found some measure of peace, a simple misunderstanding threatens to send them inexorably into war. There's plenty of things for us to deep dive on this week as well, like Helena's continued prophetic comments that everyone in her family seems to ignore, but we won't. Join History of Westeros on YouTube during the season every Monday at 6 Eastern for a much more in-depth review of each episode, and every 3 p.m. on Saturday as we look ahead to the next episode while mixing in discussions from the books with guests. If you can't make the live streams, you can watch or listen to the replays anytime afterwards. They'll also be available wherever you consume podcasts. Alongside our House of the Dragon coverage, you'll find that over the last 10 years, we've created hundreds of other episodes about A Song of Ice and Fire, Fire and Blood, Dunkin' Egg, and everything else Westeros, Essos, and beyond, past, present, and future.